So how do they want to make it less of a stigma? They want to require everyone to borrow from the Fed at least once a year. Let's require all married men to go to a prostitute. That should do it. Uh, then everyone will feel better about it. Uh, you know, okay. She is number four prostitute in all of Kazakhstan. Nice. Well, hello there, my friends. Rafi here from The End Game Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. And it looks to me like the CPI, the way they measure inflation, has bottomed. All of the sticky parts of the CPI, those products, goods, and services that change prices at the least are on their way up. We're headed into another round of consumer price gains, increases. I wouldn't call that inflation, but that's what they call it. And because we are, it's going to make it very difficult for the Fed to cut until, of course, there is the next financial crisis, which is rapidly approaching. We've seen it with New York Community Bank Corp, and I'm going to show you a list of banks that are doing even worse than them, but haven't made the headlines yet, but they will, as we all know. The bank term funding program expires on March 11th, which happens to be when I'm giving a talk in Petar Tikva on money. But that's beside the point. The point really is that when the next financial crisis does strike, consumer prices will already be gaining and the Fed will be forced to cut to zero in the midst of those increases in consumer prices, which is probably, in my view, going to bring gold and silver dramatically higher very quickly and possibly cause panic in the dollar itself. So let's get to it. And as always, this week's Silver Report is brought to you by Fortuna Silver Mines, symbol FSM. I wanted to show you here Fortuna's geographical distribution to know what kind of company you are investing in if you choose to do so at your own due diligence, of course. Two main silver mines are San Jose and Kailoma in Mexico and Peru. And there is a big gold mine in Argentina, which is in the news these days, thanks to Javier Mille and his libertarian policies, opening up the country, libertarianizing business. Is that even a word? Libertarianizing or liberalizing, I think is the word. Business conditions there. I hope he succeeds. And I hope that Fortuna also benefits from his market, free market policies. We have Diambasud in Senegal, three mines in Africa. Segela, of course, is the most famous one, the most productive gold mine. They have up to 138,000 ounces of gold. Uh, Yaramoko, 105 to 119,000 ounces. Uh, it's a distribution between West Africa, South America, and Mexico, with all in sustaining costs, even at the highest end, well below the price of gold, which is right now around 2,000, and could very easily break above 2,150 very quickly. And from there, we have open space. Anyway, on with this week's silver report. I want to show a few charts that strongly suggests that CPI has bottomed and we are entering another wave higher in consumer prices, which they call inflation, which they will freak out about because the Fed hasn't started to cut yet. And if these figures go higher and higher, there will be less and less chance that they will be able to until they are forced to through the next financial crisis, which I think could bring the end game. We will see. It should be due in the next few months, in the next few weeks, any time now, really, because the banks are already starting to fall. 
Core CPI is the highest pre-COVID since 1995. Oh no, now that I said COVID, let me know if you have see one of those buttons in the bottom of the video. Like, do you want to learn more about COVID from who? I wonder if that has like the lowest click-through rate of any link on the entire internet. Uh, yeah, like we all want to learn more about it because we haven't learned enough. Anyway, uh, highest pre-COVID reading since 1995 on the core CPI. Uh, you see here these little wigglies and squigglies and jigglies. So we're back up to, I think this is 0.4%. Haven't seen that in the pre-COVID era since 1995. That's just one data point. I don't want to emphasize it too much. Uh, but I'll build my case here that uh, CPI is headed higher here and we have bottomed and the Fed is screwed and it won't be able to cut on the pretense of lowering, lower inflation because uh, we've already bottomed out there. And so next chart I'll show you is this one, sticky CPI. This is from the Atlanta Fed. This includes a whole bunch of goods and services that change prices very infrequently. And we are back up to, uh, this is 0.56% if I remember correctly. The, the last time we hit that in the pre-COVID era was 1990. From 1990 all the way to 2021, 2022, not even here in the immediate post-COVID era, did we reach that this number here? Uh, and you see here that the acceleration goes from about 0.3 to 0.56. So very strong acceleration in sticky CPI. Uh, I think we're, uh, we've bottomed out here and this is one, another one of those reasons, uh, but there's another one. So this is owner's equivalent rent, uh, month over month. So owner's equivalent rent, rent, I think it makes up something between 40 and 50%. I could be wrong on that. So if I'm wrong about it, don't yell at me too much. It's a high number. I think it's the highest component by percentage of the CPI. So you have uh, owner's equivalent rent. It's not a real number, so I don't want to give it too much credence. Or the credence. It's they, they call up homeowners on the phone who own their houses and don't rent, and they ask them what they would rent it for if they could, and they answer, and then this is supposed to be significant. But, you know, it does show trends uh, of what people think they can get for their apartments or whatever, yeah, how useful that is, I don't know. But the CPI number is, of course, psychologically useful for uh, triggering the next inflationary wave, if not leading it. So we have here, this number has gone up to about 0.54, something percent. Uh, and it's its biggest jump higher since we started falling from the peak here of about 0.7 something. And this number we also haven't seen since about 1990 as well. And this is a very sticky number. So if we've bottomed over here and we're headed back up, uh, yeah, CPI is not going any lower from here. I think we bottomed out. I wanted to go into silver open interest again this week. We covered this last week, but it's getting more acute now. So you want to be very careful here. There could be some kind of attack on silver uh, this week, next week, in the next two weeks. Just be cautious here. And don't. I wouldn't go into margin for any reason. Uh, that could really mess you over. But just be cautious here and don't get too greedy thinking that we are at a low here. We could be and we could be setting up for a short squeeze. That is definitely possible and I don't rule that out. But judging by this chart, you want to be careful these open interest numbers. So we see here the last four times we had a similar amount of open interest, meaning the number of contracts open in silver coma and comic silver. 
those last four times have corresponded with intermediate highs in the silver price. So uh, the thing is here, we're at looks like a low. So yes, we could see a short squeeze here, uh, but we really went higher. I think it was 5,700 contracts higher in open interest in silver yesterday. So we're at 152,544, very high, uh, especially over the last two years, not historically high, but over the last five uh, in the post COVID era, let's say COVID again, and really get that sticker and that, who link down at the bottom of this video. Yeah, let's root for it. So over here in April 2023, uh, it was uh, there was a high here in the silver price and high in open interest. Same thing here. Same thing here. Same thing here. Uh, this it's not every time, but you want to be careful here. We could see a smash, and if I if we do see a smash, it could really bring down the open interest numbers as shorts cover quickly. So this could be a flash in the pan, but you still want to be careful of it. We also have something interesting going on in gold deliveries. This happened yesterday. So uh, gold open interest is still pretty low. It's below 420,000 contracts, which is historically very low. But we have here this is the numbers for Wednesday. February 14th, I believe, and we had an increase in spot gold. The February contract, remember, is not futures, it's spot gold. We had a lot of, uh, actually, the spot gold contract was the contract that increased the most in open interest on Wednesday, February 14th. And all of those went to delivery. You can see here, we had um, 1,638 deliveries right? The 1,493 were bought for immediate delivery on that. So there's a lot of buying and spot gold yesterday in, in taking of those warrants. So where do those warrants go? I highlighted here the daily delivery for February 16th. So we see here that H means a house account and issued means making the delivery. Stopped means taking the delivery. So we have three house accounts here. These are big banks, Wells Fargo, big bullying banks, Wells Fargo, Scotia Capital, Bank of America Securities were the big biggest deliverers of of uh, gold warrants for 100 ounces each and who was the biggest uh stopper meaning who took these deliveries the bulk of them 1283 that's jp morgan but not the bank itself this is a client account so we had house accounts banks selling to clients of jp morgan who are the clients of jp morgan some uh other reportables, uh, family offices, wealthy individuals, those kinds of people. We don't want to know who they are. Best we not know. We don't want to get involved with them. My point is we have a lot of spot gold buying yesterday, and that looks like bottom picking by wealthy individuals who are clients of JP Morgan. Uh, that's what the data says yesterday. We'll see what happens if they've picked the bottom or not. It could be close or they could be a little bit off. Um, they're usually around the right time. So look for a bottom in gold over the next few weeks and silver will probably bottom with it. Uh, but silver is probably going to have to have an open interest smash and a lot of short covering uh, to make room for another rally in silver, at least. If we look at this silver chart, we have something interesting technically uh, going on here. An uptrend line from the March 2020 low of around $11 and whatever it was during that panic sell when the world shut down and everything was normal. Uh, and that trend line was established here in July 2022 at the lows for silver about 1750, I think it was. Uh, and then we're, we tested it here again. We're testing it right here again. We could break through this trend line leading to some panic selling down to, let's say, 21, 2019, something like that. I, I'm not predicting any numbers, but I'm saying it's very possible here. Uh, if the technical traders get spooked, 
and the open interest numbers suggest that this is possible, just be careful of it. And if we break this trend line, that's not the end. That's just going to take out the weak holders and leave silver into very strong hands, which is going to give us room for the next rally, which will hopefully break this uptrend line and get us going on the next phase. But as to the next phase, I want to show you, zoom out what's happening here. So this is silver going back to 2007, right? This box here, this rectangle box, this was the upper range, excluding you know the crazy rally from 2010 to 2011 that uh, ended with silver at 50. Uh, so uh, in normal times, this is the upper range for silver prices since 2008, at least. It was the upper range in that initial rally in 2016. Uh, and But now since 2020, it's been the lower range and we've been trading above this, above this line, above the $20 line for uh, a significant period of time since 2020. So for about four years, excluding a few months here in 2022, we're still above that line and we could hit uh, $20 here, as I said, if we break the trend line and we have panic selling down to this area over here. But even that wouldn't be bad at all because it's still above the high zone for silver that we've seen since 2008. So look for a smash around 20 possibly, and then from there a recovery along with gold and then possibly a slingshot if we're talking about a banking crisis and the Fed turning. Once the Fed prints again, this is going to go close to vertical just like we saw here from 2020 to 20 August 2020 here, except it's going to be much more extreme. It's going to be something more like this from 2010 to May 2011 over here. I think it's going to be stronger than that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating, at least not in my head. So why are we close to the next banking crisis? Well, I was able to snag this chart from an article that I'll show you in a second. So there are banks that are doing a lot worse. Regional banks are doing a lot worse than U.S. Bank Corp, which is one of the biggest regional banks. It's the fifth largest bank in the country. Uh, so here we have U.S. Bank Corp has lost over 30% of its market value in the past two years. Key Bank, the 22nd largest bank, has lost 50% of its value over the past two years. Comerica, sounds like Seinfeld, but as the 32nd largest bank has lost 50% of its market value in two years. Western Alliance has lost 45%. Uh, Valley National Bank, 43%, and First Foundation Bank lost 70%. So we're headed for another regional bank crisis, which is going to lead to another printing round. We'll see how extreme it gets and wait until those reverse repos run out because they will. And then we're going to get into something even more extreme than a regional banking crisis. The final piece of the puzzle I want to show you this week is this. This is actually an article from three weeks ago now, January 26th. I missed this. I'm reporting on it now. The Fed tells banks not to be shy about asking it for money, except it's not really saying, no, don't be shy. They're kind of demanding it. <laughs> you know, it's like they're making you an offer you can't refuse. We'll make him an offer he can't refuse. I was just going to say that. Banks worry that tapping the backstop program signals weakness. Regulators are drafting a plan to normalize use of the program. So what's the big plan? They want banks to be able to ask the Fed for money when they need money and not to uh, borrow from loan sharks outside the Federal Reserve System. And what is their big plan? It's this. This paragraph, that mission has become more urgent in the wake of the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and other regional lenders in the first half of 2023. Regulators were shocked, shocked, they say, by the rapid flight of deposits, but also that SVB and others were ill-prepared to even access the discount window, instead relying heavily on borrowings from the home loan banks, which can push up funding costs for everyone. This is the usage of the Fed's emergency lending window. You can see it was only accessed uh, with any regularity or with any force 
in the 2008 financial crisis, during the 2020 crisis, and during the regional banking crisis was a record. So here is the zinger in that. Now regulators, including the Fed, Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, and Federal Deposit Insurance Corp are drafting a plan to require that banks tap the facility at least once a year, a measure aimed at reducing the stigma for users. So how do they want to make it less of a stigma? They want to require everyone to borrow from the Fed at least once a year. So what's the minimum, like a dollar? What is this? You can borrow, once you borrow a dollar, what's what's the regulation going to be? They want to make it look less bad, so they just require everyone to do it. Let's require all married men to go to a prostitute. That should do it. Uh, then everyone will feel better about it. Uh, you know, okay. She is number four prostitute in all of Kazakhstan. Nice. Okay, the last article I wanted to share here is behind the U.S., the January U.S. consumer inflation surprise. Let's end with what we began. Uh, CPI inflation has bottomed here. I wanted to read this paragraph right here. Um, while core goods prices under the heavy influence of falling used car prices continue declining sharply in recent months, the sustainability of the drop has been questioned by a number of members of the Fed's policy setting FOMC. Meanwhile, rents and core services, excluding rents, those are the most stable and sticky of prices, they have been declining less rapidly than many forecasters expected. A 0.89%, almost one full percent advance month over month in core services, excluding housing genuine, was particularly shocking. And so, my friends, what we have is rising consumer prices, an approaching financial crisis, silver approaching an uptrend line that was established in 2020. We could see a smash in silver, but gold, we've seen a lot of spot activity, a lot of warrants changing hands, a lot of bottom picking by rich clients of JP Morgan. We could be getting close to a bottom in gold, just above 2000 And once we have open interest settling down in silver, I believe it will be time to buy for the next round up, which will, of course, go vertical once the Fed is forced to print more money for its buddies, who they also want to force to borrow more money from them from the neglected discount window. This is Rafi with the Endgame Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. Don't forget to subscribe for free to the Endgame Investor at Substack, endgameinvestor.substack.com, and become a paid subscriber if you want to tune in to my three times weekly update on the monetary system, gold and silver markets, etc. I'll see you guys next week.